the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Undergirding everything we do today is Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. In April 1970, a book was released that would change the face of America. Over the next 10 years, it became the number one best-selling non-fiction book of the decade, almost outselling the Bible. Over 15 million copies were snapped up initially, and millions more have sold since. It was called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. It contained prophecies mainly from Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation, along with a detailed timeline to the end of the age including the rapture of the church. This was predicted to be sort of midway through the Great Tribulation, outlined in Revelations chapters 6 to 18. And it explained the emergence of a one-world government, upheavals in the worldwide banking system, and the rise of an antichrist dictator. Appearing as a Messiah figure to the Jews, the Antichrist would ultimately rule the earth from Jerusalem, forcing almost everyone, not those who wouldn't take the mark, but almost everyone left in the world to take his mark on their hand or forehead in order to buy or sell. Powerful armies from the north, the south, the east and the west would converge on Israel in a final showdown at Armageddon, which would end at the return of Christ and God's final judgment of mankind. God will then bind Satan for a thousand years and establish Christ's rule on earth until the release of Satan for one short time only, until his exit to the lake of fire with all unbelievers who, and those who took the mark. Shortly after, the forever Jerusalem appears for Christ and his bride, who are all those who believe and repent, bringing heaven and earth to an end, because God himself will light this new heaven and earth. Such was the fascination with end times that Hal's book created that it led to the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye, movies and many other books on the subject. A whole generation in the Western church was impacted by these books as they spread across the Atlantic and elsewhere in the world. Hal Lindsey was a Zionist evangelist who was heavily influenced by the dispensational uh, or dispensationist teaching which began in the 1830s. It was taught by John Nelson Darby who began the Brethren Movement. Darby taught that there would be dispensations or seasons of grace until the end of the age, but that the thread of Christ's blood would be, would be running throughout. He also introduced the teaching that the church would be raptured at some point during the Great Tribulation. Hal Lindsay simply took these teachings mainstream with a strong emphasis on salvation, 
based partly on fear and mistrust of the world's systems. Lindsay also combined biblical prophecy with geopolitical events as they happen to explain the last day's timeline. I have to confess, I do not keep up with world events as well as I should. And I have not read Hal's books. But I have been researching this topic for weeks in preparation for this series. And as students of the Word of God, we need to weigh all teaching, beginning with the context, what the original intent was, and accurate interpretation of the text. In theology, this is called exegesis. It's a Greek word that really means revealing. So what is it revealing? What is the scripture revealing? And so good exegesis is understanding what is really being said. Bad exegesis is making the text fit our understanding. We also need to weigh everything against the mega-biblical narrative. For instance, uh, this is just one example. We're told in Amos, Malachi, and other minor prophets, along with obviously Jesus and the New Testament teaching, to expose and confront injustice and exploitation so as to work for a fairer society by looking out for widows, orphans, the poor and the outcast. We are to be light and salt and be agents of change to make this world better. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As much as I would love to be raptured and be with Jesus, I find myself still on a journey with this teaching and the interpretation of the scriptures that it's built on. And I fully respect those who, will, who promote it and would never claim a monopoly of how the story ends. If I'm raptured, that's fantastic. To do so is to cause division in the body of Christ, I believe, to have a monopoly on one side of the story. Theologians have wrestled over the sequence of events and the meaning of the symbols for centuries. And uh, I often think, well, if they've struggled, no wonder we do. <laughs> when it comes to end times, sometimes we can lose sight of Colossians 3, verse 15. We're called to one body to be thankful as believers. As believers, we have much to celebrate and agree on. Jesus is coming back, and that should excite us. Every generation should live with this urgency that time is short. Salvation. Did I get an amen there? <laughs> Salvation is only found in him. And having unity as a core value, we gain impact in the world with the gospel and with godly values when we stand together. He has sent his Holy Spirit to empower, teach, comfort, and guide us all into truth. But Revelation 14, 12, and 13 tells us to endure until all is revealed. Let's turn there. This is really our key scripture for today. And really, it could almost be said that this verse uh, is the, the key of, of Revelation. Revelation 14, verse 12. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. 
Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. That being said, understanding the Revelation text is important. Many do want to know times, major players and the dramatic ending, and what happens to believers. The late great planet Earth tapped into that because much of the cultural and political changes in America in the 60s and 70s pointed to the return of Christ. This included the the Cold War, racial tension, the Vietnam War, and the nuclear threat. And this led to lots of messages of escaping the seemingly inevitable demise of an evil society. To D.L. Moody, the world was a sinking ship, and Jesus was the only lifeboat. Hal Lindsey would have been greatly influenced by this teaching. Many of us, I remember Jenny and I going off to things where we were told Jesus would be back within 10 years. And as 70s teenagers, uh, we were so fearful of being left behind that we were, all we wanted to do was, was um, check that we were saved, get married, <laughs> protect our families and you know, just make some short-term goals until the rapture. Looking back, many of the difficulties that we, uh, we wanted to escape from uh, were actually first world problems <laughs> that God has actually overruled in some cases. Fixing the world back then seemed futile. And so I know that I, for one, um, gave this, the thought, very little thought to third world injustices, pollution, and the plight of the persecuted Christians elsewhere in the world. That came later in my faith journey. In contrast, the book of Revelation was actually written to a persecuted church. I think we need to get this context. It makes little sense to unbelievers. And its first readers were facing martyrdom. And when we view it through that lens, we see it as encouragement to hold on to the hope of resurrection, to overcome in the midst of evil and stay true to the gospel in a pagan world in order to reach them. I've underlined the words, he who overcomes in my Bible. It's seven times Jesus says, or the Spirit says, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, seven times in chapters two and three. Rather than a consecutive timeline of events, as we try to make it with our own Western mindset, we try and get a a consecutive, this happens, then that happens, then that happens. That's our kind of Western mind. It was actually a message mostly in picture language to an embattled church, to hold fast to the fullness and truth of salvation and to catch a vision of the risen Reigning warrior Christ, it was and still is an invitation to the truth of uh, to overcome and change what we can until evil and cruel authorities are judged and dealt with to enable God's ultimate plan. We looked at that invitation last week to uh, come up here and see what things would happen next. The first readers 
would have gained much encouragement from or by the promise of a returning king to claim his faithful bride and, and rid the earth of evil. In the midst of all their, their persecution, I mean their friends were being lit up as lampposts in Nero's parties. They would have found this encouraging. It would have given them renewed strength in their resolve to fulfill their calling despite the persecution. My heart in sharing these thoughts is to firstly challenge and prepare myself for Jesus' return. I haven't got all the answers. I'm on a journey. And secondly, it's to equip the church, I believe, for whatever persecution we face, whatever trials and whatever choices that evil laws demand of us. And thirdly, you know, I'd love to continue these discussions in a spirit of love in a smaller setting because I love you all so much. From my reading and study so far in my journey, John's revelation to the early church was that the church would need to patiently endure the earth's birth, birth pains, Revelation 14, 12 that we just read. This calls for patient endurance. And that's the name of this message, patient endurance. And we do that in order to keep God's commands and remain faithful until the return of Christ. Even if asked to bow down to any other power or give worship to man, i.e. the mark of the beast, it, it would not. The church would not do that. The true church does not do that. You know, these, this early church were familiar with the Roman uh, Caesar's demands. Various Caesars came and went through the uh, first century, and some demanded that they be worshipped as Lord or the Lord God. They understood that to do so would mean missing out on being a citizen of heaven. To bow down to a Caesar or to bow down even in, in a, in a um, sort of a way that would look like they were bowing down would render them not a citizen of heaven. They knew the cost would be death, physical death. When Christ returns in Revelation 19.11, they hoped for justice and a full and final judgment to fall on all of the oppressors. In other words, the pain was worth the gain. With the removal of the devil, they then looked forward to reigning with Christ as heirs of the kingdom that will begin with the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. I was once asked to speak with some young people. Aaron asked me to come in on a, a, to charge one night. And it seemed to be mainly guys in the group, actually. It was, I think it was all guys. So I sort of said to the guys, I was talking about, about what, what would you look for in a wife? That got their attention. <laughs> there was all sorts of answers coming in. Uh, some were, you know, keener on the uh, cooking side and uh, how she looked. And <laughs> there was all kinds of answers. Was, what are you looking for in a wife? So I wrote them all down on a whiteboard, all these things that they were looking for in a wife. And I said, there's one that you haven't actually written or said. 
And I think it's the most important one. And I wrote the word faith, faithful. Isn't that the number one thing we want to be to our partner, our wife or husband? Faithful. Faithfulness. Jeremy talked about it two weeks ago. We want a faithful wife. And it's the same with Jesus. He's looking for a faithful bride. So what have I said today? My first challenge was to check all teaching about the end of the age with the wider biblical narrative, knowing that God may come in a way and at a time we least expect. God may well surprise us, as he did coming the first time, in human form as a baby, healing on the Sabbath, talking to a woman at the well, and eating with sinners. These were all sure signs to the religious leaders that he was not the Messiah. My second challenge was that after careful exegesis of the scriptures that we use to back up our thinking, let's also apply Colossians 3.15 to allow for differences of opinion, to maintain unity no matter where we stand. And the final challenge was that just as the early disciples were prepared to go through any trial, i.e. patient endurance, Revelation 14 verse 12, and even martyrdom in order to remain faithful to the truth of the gospel, so should we. It's a hard word, but I feel called to equip the church. The main thing is that we are born again by the Holy Spirit. We've sung about that this morning. And that our names are written in the, ba- in the Lamb's Book of Life. However we get there. However we get there and whenever we get there. There could be persecution for declaring that Jesus is Lord. The Bible actually says that. No one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And no one else. We don't want to say anyone else is boss or Lord. But there's great reward for remaining faithful. And that reward is called eternal life as the bride of Jesus. He's looking for faithful people. If, if you have not asked him into your life today, we would love to pray with you and uh, make sure you know him. Make sure he is Lord and Saviour of your life. That is the, 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 the reason, I think, the, the driving force behind virtually everybody who has talked about him in times is that we're ready. We are ready. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the many times that we have been challenged by it. We ask you to challenge us again today to to search the scriptures, to look at all of the things that line up. And Lord, whatever it is that you are going to do in these days and whatever you're going to do in days to come and end times, we just pray, Lord, we would be ready. We would be faithful and we would patiently endure until all is revealed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at
huntleybaptist.com.